I start at page 117. Do's and don'ts. Some verses from the Holy Quran on other social responsibilities which promote peace are وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْلًا وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا The servants of the gracious God are those who walk on the earth in a dignified manner. And when the ignorant address them, they say, Peace. وَإِذَا حُيِّيْتُمْ بِتَحِيَّةٍ فَحَيُّوا بِأَحْسَنَ مِنْهَا أَوْ رُدُّوهَا إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَسِيبًا when you are greeted with a prayer, greet ye with a better prayer, or at least return it. Surely, Allah takes account of all things. Turn not thy cheek away from men in pride, nor walk in the earth haughtily. Surely, Allah loves not any arrogant boaster. And walk thou at moderate pace, and restrain thy voice. Verily, the most disagreeable sound is the bray of a donkey. The character which Islam attempts to inculcate amongst Muslims is in itself inhibitive to the growth of irresponsible behavior and crime. Islam creates a healthy soil. Islam creates a healthy soil which discourages the growth of parasites and weeds. This objective is achieved by very detailed and comprehensive teachings of do's and don'ts, which run into many hundreds. The central core of this teaching is common to almost all religions. Instead of highlighting the doctrinal differences between one, re one religion and another, I set some of them before you with the relevant Quranic reference. Do's. Chastity. Chapter 17, verse 33. Chapter 23, verse 6 to 8. Chapter 24, verse 31. Chapter 34, 61. Chapter 25, 69. Chapter 33, 36. Chapter 70, 30 to 32. Cleanliness. Chapter 2, Verse 223, chapter 4, verse 44, chapter 5, verse 7, chapter 22, verse 30, chapter 74, verse 5 to 6. Controlling anger, chapter 3, verse 135. Cooperation, chapter 5, verse 3. Courage, chapter 2, verse 178. Chapter 3, verse 173 to 175. Chapter 9, verse 40. Chapter 20, verse 73 to 74. Chapter 33, verse 40. Chapter 46, verse 14. Doing good. Chapter 2, verse 196. Chapter 3, verse 135. Chapter 5, verse 94. Chapter 7, verse 57. Enjoining good and forbidding evil. Chapter 3, verse 111. Excelling in doing good. Chapter 2, verse 149. 
faithful discharge of trusts. Chapter 2, verse 284. Chapter 4, verse 59. Chapter 23, verse 9. Chapter 70, verse 33. Feeding the hungry. Chapter 76, verse 9. Chapter 90, verse 15. Forgiveness. Chapter 2, verse 110. Chapter 3, verse 135 and 160. Chapter 4, verse 150. Chapter 5, verse 7 and verse 90. Chapter 14, verse 8. Chapter 39, verse 8. Chapter 67. Chapter 46, verse 16. Giving of true evidence. Chapter 4, verse 136. Chapter 5, verse 9. Chapter 25, verse 73. Good treatment of employees. Chapter 4, verse 37. Good treatment of neighbors. Chapter 4, verse 37. Good treatment of relatives. Chapter 2, verse 178. Chapter 16, verse 91. Chapter 30, verse 39. Gratefulness. Chapter 2, verse 153, and 173, and 186, and 244. Chapter 3, verse 145. Chapter 5, verse 7, and verse 90. Chapter 14, verse 8. Chapter 39, verse 8. Chapter 67. Chapter 46, verse 16. Humility, chapter 6, verse 64, chapter 7, verse 14, 156, and 147, chapter 16, verse 24, and 30, chapter 17, verse 38, chapter 28, verse 84, chapter 31, 19 to 20, chapter 40, verse 36. Justice, chapter 5, verse 9, chapter 6, verse 153, chapter 16, verse 91, chapter 49, verse 10. Making peace between people, chapter 4, verse 115, chapter 49, verse 10. Patience, chapter 2, verse 46, 154, 156, 178, chapter 11, verse 12, chapter 13, verse 23, chapter 16, verse 127, and 128, chapter 28, verse 81, chapter 29, verse 61, chapter 39, verse 11, chapter 42, verse 44, Chapter 103, verse 4. Perseverance. Chapter 13, verse 23. Chapter 41, verse 31 to 33. Purity. Chapter 2, verse 223. Chapter 5, verse 7. Chapter 9, verse 103 and 108. Chapter 24, verse 22. Chapter 33, verse 34. Chapter 74, verse 5. Chapter 87, verse
verse 15. Chapter 91, verse 10, 11. Self-control. Chapter 4, verse 136. Chapter 7, verse 202. Chapter 18, verse 29. Chapter 30, verse 30. Chapter 38, verse 27. Chapter 79, verse 41 and 42. Sincerity. Chapter 39, verse 3 to 4. Chapter 98, verse 6. Chapter 107, verse 5 to 7. Truthfulness. Chapter 4, verse 136. Chapter 5, verse 120. Chapter 9, verse 119. Chapter 17, verse 82. Chapter 22, verse 31. Chapter 25, verse 73. Chapter 33, verse 25. And 36, and 71. Chapter 39, verse 33. Unselfishness. Chapter 2, verse 208 and 263. Chapter 11, verse 52. Chapter 59, verse 10. Chapter 64, verse 17. Chapter 76, verse 9 to 10. Chapter 92, verse 20 to 21. Don't. Adultery. Chapter 17, verse 33. Arrogance. Chapter 2, verse 35 and 88. Chapter 4, verse 174. Chapter 7, verse 37. Backbiting. Chapter 49, verse 13. Boasting. Chapter 57, verse 24. Defamation. Chapter 49, verse 12. Derision. Chapter 49, verse 12. Despair. Chapter 39, verse 54. Envy. Chapter 113, verse 6. Extravagance. Chapter 7, verse 32. Chapter 17, verse 27 to 28. Following that of which one has no knowledge. Chapter 17, verse 37. Haughtiness. Chapter 17, verse 38. Chapter 23, verse 47. Chapter 31, verse 19. Giving short measure. Chapter 83, verse 2 to 4. Nicknaming. Chapter 49, verse 12. Negodliness. Chapter 4, verse 38. Chapter 47, verse 39. Chapter 57, verse 2 to 5. Chapter 59, verse 10. Chapter 64, verse 17. Perfidy. Chapter 4, verse 106 and 108. Chapter 8, verse 28 and 59. Suspicion. Chapter 49, verse 13. Telling lies. Chapter 22, verse 31. Chapter 25, verse 73. Theft. Chapter 5, verse 39. Islam invites leaders of all religions to join hands in an effort to promote and inculcate goodness and to admonish against the committing of evil deeds. Were this to happen, the world would be better for it. Rejection of racialism. Of all the curses, 
which infects the contemporary age. Racialism is the one that holds the greater danger to world peace. The Holy Quran reminds not only Muslims but also all mankind. Ya ayyuhan nasu taqu rabbakum alladhi khalaqakum min nafsin wahidatin wa khalaqa minha zawjaha wa batha minhuma rijalan kathiran wa nisaan wa attaqullaha alladhi tasa'aluna bihi wal arham inna allaha kana alaykum raqiban O ye people fear your lord who created you from a single soul and created there from its mates and from the two spread many men and women and fear Allah in whose name you appeal to one another and fear him particularly respecting ties of relationship verily Allah watches over you no one has superiority over others similarly the holy quran states ya ayyuhan nas inna khalaqnakum min dhakarin wa unsa وجعلناكم شعوبا وقبائل لتعارفوا ان اكرمكم عند الله اتقاكم ان الله عليم خبير او mankind we have created you from a male and a female and we have made you into tribes and subtribes for the sake of easy recognition verily the most honorable among you in the sight of allah is the most righteous among you surely Allah is all knowing all aware and ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu la yaskhar qaumun min qaumin asa an yakunu khayran minhum wala nisaa'un min nisaa'in asa an yakunna khayran minhunna wala talmizu anfusakum wala tanabazu bil alqab bi'sa lismul fusuq ba'da al iman wa man lam yatubu faulaika humul zalimun O ye who believe let not one people deride another people happily they may be better than they nor let one group of women deride other women happily they may be better than them and do not defame your people nor call one another by nicknames it is indeed bad to fall back into the malpractice of ignorant days after having believed and those who repent not such are the wrongdoers apparently contemporary society seems to be moving far away from racialism and apathy and is becoming more conscious of the horrors related to them but if you examine the issue more carefully and in depth you will begin to realize that racialism exists everywhere one major difficulty is the definition of racialism it can appear different from various perspectives it is difficult to draw hard and fast lines between racialism consciousness of class or religious superiority tribalism fascism imperialism and nationalism the most tragic and inhumane treatment of the jews at the hands of christians in western europe for more than a thousand years may be considered buried in the past but the recent beastly treatment of the jews during the 30s and 40s at the hand of nazis is too fresh in our memories to be forgotten therefore the moment we hear the word racialism our minds are inadvertently turned to antisemitism and the long history of the ill treatment of the semitic race at the hands of the gentiles this is a very limited understanding of racialism of course it is so limited that the other connotations 
the other connotations of the same scenario completely miss our attention. We hardly stop to think of extremists among the Jews looking at the Gentiles with the same horrid prejudices of which they themselves have been the targets. But that is not all. There is much more to racialism than meets the eye. Racialism, though not clearly identified as such, does exist under different guises, nationalism being one of them. Again, religious, tribal, and regional prejudices are but a few examples where racialism is found at work under different names. The prejudices of white races against non-whites are also forms of racialism, but it is unjust to blame only the whites for harboring prejudices against people who do not share their color and complexion. There also exists black racialism, yellow racialism, and the racialism of such people who cannot be so clearly defined into white, black or yellow, but lie somewhere in between. The essence of racialism is class prejudice. Perhaps this is the best definition of racialism. Whenever people begin to act prejudicially against another class of people on the pretext of their own class interests, racialism uncoils and raises its ugly and venomous head. No discretion is exercised in the expression of such hatred. No individual merit is taken into account, and generality becomes the law. Not many centuries ago, the Western Hemisphere was divided mainly along the plane of Christianity versus Islam. Whatever role the Jews played during that age of strong religious prejudices towards the Muslim East is relatively obscure. What is known, however, is the fact that the Jews were a part of Christian Europe, which hated and mistrusted Muslim nations around the Mediterranean and were apprehensive of Muslim expansion westwards. During that period of intense hostiles between Christians and Muslims, there was an added element of racialism based on a difference in color. At that time, the Muslims of Indonesia, Malaysia, China, and India remained totally aloof and unconcerned. The conflict looked more like that of a Turco-Arab axis versus Christian Europe in general. Although this history seems to be buried and forgotten, I can see it raising its head again. Human problems never seem to die permanently, howsoever deeply buried they may appear. Returning to the superpowers and their allies, it was vital for the interests of the West not to stir such issues or permit them to be, to be stirred. But ever since the dawn of the new era of the East-West relationship, a dark night from the medieval ages is also about to cast its sinister shadow. There is a real danger of revival of the historic Christian-Muslim religio-political rivalries in the new climate created by the momentous changes in the USSR and Eastern Europe. This could be further fanned by consideration of vested interests on both sides. I am afraid that in this regard, the clergy of both Christianity and Islam are very likely to, to play a sinister role in aggravating the situation and further destroying the prospects of peace and harmony between Muslims and Christians. If this happens, it would certainly be of advantage to the cause of Israel. 
Israel cannot be conceived in the role of a disinterested and uninvolved observer. Again, there are political economic dividing lines which are giving birth to a new type of racialism, i.e. the racialism between the rich north and the poorer south, and the east and west best expressed by east is east and west is west, and never the twain shall meet. The recent rapprochement and detente between the superpowers may revive the historic religio-political controversies and rivalries between the Christian Occident and the Muslim Orient. It should not at all be surprising if East and West begin to drift further apart as a result of the new imperialism and a broadly based racialism which is bound to be born out of the recent detente between the superpowers. According to the universally accepted terminology, I may appear to be outstepping the definition of racialism and extending it to areas which are not understood to have any racial implications. But my observation is based on a detached and deeper study of human motives which give birth to racialism. As long as the underlying motive forces remain the same, whether you name a certain expression of distorted human behavior as racialism or call it by any other decent and civilized name, Essentially, the malady remains the same. Racialism, in the broader sense, has to be understood as group prejudices, as opposed to considerations of absolute justice and fair play. The rapid, the rapid waning of polarization between the American and Russian blocs has ushered us into a completely new era in which we are moving towards global readjustments rather than the disappearance of divisions. As ideological divisions fade, divisions already marked on different planes in international relations are bound to grow and become more sharply defined. The age-old traditional division between the Occident and the Orient was reduced to a comparatively insignificant second place during the era of heightened capitalist-socialist rivalries. That being no longer so, the East-West division will once again emerge as the most pronounced dividing line between the developed nations of the West and the underdeveloped nations of the East. The emancipated East European countries, as well as Russia, will gradually shift and ultimately merge with capitalist states adopting the same attitudes towards the Third World. Although new rivalries would result from a competition to capture the mo and monopolize foreign markets, as a whole, the West will emerge as a much larger political economic unit than ever before with the ultimate assimilation of the Eastern Bloc. This will bring into greater relief and emphasize the traditional division between the Occident and the Orient. Add to this the birth of new socialism, where nations will replace the individual and classes of individuals. They have all and have not polarization will, therefore, not be between the rich of one nation and their interplay with the poor of another nation. For some years to come, this catastrophic polarization may be kept subdued and blunt, but ultimate large-scale confrontation cannot be averted forever. I have deep-seated fears that we are entering a new era of global racialism of the most heinous type, 
which may be further aided and abetted by a section of the Zionist political leadership. If Benjamin Beit Halami of the University of Haifa and author of The Israeli Connection, Whom Israel Arms and Why, is to be taken seriously, and if the evidence he has produced of the well-formed and well-defined political philosophy of the Zionists is to be considered authentic, it augurs ill indeed for the prospects of world peace. The following picture of the role played and of that yet to be played by Israel in global affairs emerges. David Ben-Gurion, Israel's founding father, said in January 1957, From the point of view of our existence and security, the friendship of one European country is more valuable than the view of all the people of Asia. Medzini, 1976, page 75. Israel's own concern for regaining its superiority against the Arabs has come to coincide with the American goal of halting imperial decline. Page 205. What the modern right-winger loves is the Israeli tall, tough, armed with an Uzi and killing dark-skinned natives in a triumph over the forces of third world radicalism. That is how Argentine generals, Paraguayan colonels, and Africana brigadiers have come to love Israelis. Page 218. The new down with the third world rhetoric developing in the United States since the 1970s was tied to Israel, and its champions such as David Patrick Moynihan and John K. Patrick have regarded Israel as an ally and an inspiration. Page 222. Vladimir Jabotinsky, the leader of the right-wing Zionism before World War II, was quite blunt about the alliance between Zionism and imperialism. Zionism has the unshakable resolve to keep the whole Mediterranean in European hands. In every East-West conflict, we will always be on the side of the West, for the West has represented a more superior culture than the East over the last thousand years after the destruction of the Baghdad Caliphate by the Mongols. And we today are the most prominent loyal bearers of the culture. We can never support the Arab movement, which is at present opposed to us, and we are heartily pleased at every mishap to this movement. Brenner, 1984, page 75 to 77. The idea of liberation for third world group threatens the very essence of Zionism. Concepts of human rights are too dangerous for the Israeli political system. The injustice done to the Palestinians is so clear and so striking that it cannot be openly discussed and any discussion of what Israel has been doing in the third world is certain to lead to an examination of the rights of Palestinians. They, that's Israelis, are quick to denounce the rest of the world as hypocritical when issues of human rights and universal justice are discussed, in that they are quite similar to white South Africans. Page 236 to 237. From Manila in the Philippines to Tegucigalpa in Honduras to Windhoek in Namibia, Israel's emissaries have been involved in a continuous war, which is truly a world war. And what enemy is Israel fighting? 
it is the population of the third world which cannot be allowed to win its revolution. Page 243. Israel's prognosis looks good only as, as long as the Arab world and the rest of the third world remains divided and weak. Any change in this picture bodies ill. Page 247. What Israel has been exporting is the logic of the oppressor, the way of seeing the world that is tied to successful domination. What is exported is not just technological, armaments, and experience, not just expertise, but a certain frame of mind. Page 248. It is strongly hoped that, against this battle cry of Zionism, the voice of the more sober section of Israel's leadership will prevail. Of all the Israeli writers who can perhaps be described to be moderate and logical, Hakabi appears to be a typical example. He does not only disapprove of the hawkish attitude of Zionist extremists, but also genuinely considers it to be suicidal for the ultimate Zionist interest itself. The views expressed by Hakabi are not shared equally by other Jewish thinkers and intellectuals. Hakabi, for instance, takes a more pragmatic and realistic view to the same problem. Particularly, his Land for Peace proposal opens an avenue of hope for the Arabs. I firmly believe that discrimination and any effort to divide mankind on any plane may yield short-lived dividends for some, but in the long run, the consequences are bound to be evil for all concerned. In this contemporary scenario, Islam has a very positive message and an effective role to play. Islam denounces racialism and class hatred in the strongest terms. To create disorder in any form is abhorred. The verses of the Holy Quran quoted earlier are a few of the many on this subject. The character of the Holy Prophet وسلم, of Islam is described as the light of God which belongs neither to the east nor to the west, i.e., equally shared by both. Allahu nuru samawati wal ard. Mathalu nurihi kamishkatin fiha misbah. Al misbahu fi zujaja. Al zujajatu ka'annaha kawkabun durrin yunyuqadu min shajaratin mubarakatin zaytuna la sharqiyatin wala gharbiyya. Yakadu zaytuha yudhi'u walau lam tamsashu nagun. Nurun ala nur. يَهْدِ اللَّهُ لِنُورِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَضْرِبُ اللَّهُ الْأَمْثَالَ لِلنَّاسِ وَاللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٌ Allah is the light of the heavens and of the earth. His light is as if there were a, there were a lustrous niche, wherein is a lamp contained in a crystal globe, the globe as bright as a glittering star. The lamp is lit with the oil of a blessed tree, an olive, neither of the east nor of the west. The oil would well nigh glow forth, even though no fire were to touch it. Light upon light, Allah guides to his light whomsoever he wills, and Allah sets forth parables for men, and Allah knows all things full well. He is further introduced as Rahmatan lil alameen, a mercy and source of blessings for the whole world and the whole of mankind. I am astounded to see many medieval-minded Muslim scholars erroneously referred to as fundamentalists subscribe to the view that 
Muslims must confront non-Muslims in an armed struggle and remain at war with them till either they are exterminated or they accept Islam. Islam, as found in the Holy Quran, has nothing whatsoever to do with this distorted and corrupt notion of a holy war. As many verses have been quoted in the section dealing with religious peace, there is no need to repeat them. Let me conclude by reaffirming that Islam truly advocates and suggests measures to bring mankind together through a peaceful process with the object of establishing world peace and the unification of mankind. As far as the attitude of the Holy Founder وسلم, of Islam is concerned, the following excerpts from the last sermon, known as the Farewell Sermon, he delivered before his demise in front of the largest assembly of mankind he ever addressed should suffice. O oh, men, lend me an attentive ear, for I know not whether I will stand before you again in this valley and address you as I address you now. Your lives and your possessions have been made immune by God to attacks by one another until the day of judgment. God has appointed for everyone a share in the inheritance. No testament shall now be admitted which is prejudicial to the interests of a rightful heir. A child born in any house will be regarded as the child of the father of that house. Whoever contests the parentage of such a child shall be liable to punishment under the law of Islam. Anyone who attributes his birth to someone else's father or falsely claims someone to be his master, God, his angels, and the whole of mankind will curse him. O oh, men, you have some rights against your wives but your wives also have some rights against you. Your right against them is that they should live chaste lives and not adopt ways which may bring disgrace to the husband in the sight of his people. But if the behavior of your wives is not such as would bring disgrace to their husbands, then your duty is to provide for them food and clothing and shelter according to your own standard of living. Remember, you must always treat your wives well. God has charged you with the duty of looking after them. Woman is weak and cannot protect her own rights. When you, when you marry, God appointed you trustees of those rights. You brought your wife to your homes under the law of God. You must not, therefore, abuse this trust which God has placed in your hands. O men, you still have in your possession some prisoners of war. I advise you, therefore, to feed them and to clothe them in the same way and style as you feed and clothe yourself. If they do anything, if they do anything wrong, which you are unable to forgive, then pass them on to someone else. They are part of God's creation. To give them pain or cause them suffering can never be right. O oh, men, what I say to you, you must hear and remember. All Muslims are as brethren to one another. All of you are equal. All men, whatever nation or tribe they may belong to, and whatever station in life they may hold are equal. Raising his hands and joining the fingers of the one hand with those of the other, he added, Even as the fingers of the two hands are equal, so are human beings equal to one another. No one has any right, any superiority, 
to claim over another. You are as brothers. O men, your God is one and your ancestor is one. An Arab possesses no superiority over a non-Arab, nor does a non-Arab over an Arab. A white man is in no way superior to a black, nor for that matter is a black man better than a white, but only to the extent to which he discharges his duty to God and man. The most honored among you in the sight of God is the most righteous among you. Even as this month is sacred, this land inviolate, and this day holy, so has God made the lives, property, and honor of every man sacred. To take any man's life or his property or attack his honor is as unjust and wrong as to violate the sacredness of this day, this month, and this territory. What I command you today is not meant only for today. It is meant for all time. You are expected to remember it and to act upon it until you leave this world and go to the next to meet your maker. What I have said to you, you should communicate to the ends of the earth. Maybe those who have not heard may benefit by it more than those who have heard. The passage is very powerful and self-evident, but particularly noteworthy is a reminder by the Holy Prophet that we are children of the same father. This, in fact, has the evident connotation that different religions should not be permitted to divide the universal brotherhood of mankind originating from a single parenthood. I stop at page 132.